0: Our scripture this morning comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Let us listen now for God's word. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and all parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs in our own languages. We hear them speaking about God's deeds of power All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? And others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. And all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Pentecost is kind of a strange day for Presbyterians, I think. It, it might sound a bit strange, but go with me here. I, I think for Presbyterians, Pentecost is a bit like being back at a middle school dance. We all show up full of excitement, you know, dressed for the occasion, a lot of people wearing red. It's the one day I get to bust out my red stole, and it's all very exciting. You know. And, and we, But we get, we get here, we get to the, to the dance, to the big show, and we realize that we don't exactly know what to do with ourselves, though, right? Like, we may try to feel the rhythm a little bit when we think no one's looking, but we don't exactly know how to do the moves. We've seen others do it, and maybe we try to imitate that a little bit, but truth be told, for us, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we can get a bit awkward and uncomfortable, right? Because for many of us, the idea of Pentecost and talking at length about the Spirit can conjure up for us images of people shouting wildly, speaking in tongues, and being slain in the Spirit and all that kind of stuff. And if there's one thing I know about Presbyterians, it's that we're not going to do any of that. right? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's just no way. That's not, that's not how we roll. And for most of us, the Holy Spirit is a bit of a mystery in that way. We're not quite sure what to think about the Spirit because we've seen the people who talk a lot about the Holy Spirit and they're just a little bit different, right? Not not in a bad way. There's nothing wrong with that. But but they're different. Or perhaps we're different. They're they're a bit unpredictable. Sometimes even a little bit wild. Not decent and in good order like we do things around here. And indeed, when, when we read the text from Acts about the first Pentecost, we see that the spirit itself is a little bit unpredictable and even a bit wild. The scene picks up right after the ascension of Christ, after the eleven disciples have just found their twelfth member. They've become whole again. They're ready to continue the mission that Christ gave them. But they don't seem to know exactly where to begin. As chapter 2 opens, they're all gathered together in a house. Luke doesn't give us any indication about what they're intending to do or what what their plans are. But whatever it is, whatever they're planning, they're immediately interrupted by the sound of a violent wind that fills the entire house. It's interesting that the word that is used here for violent, to, to describe the wind, the violent wind, it's the same word that's used in the Greek Old Testament in the story of the Exodus to describe the wind that parts the Red Sea so that the Israelites can cross on dry land. So just as, God's, as, as, just as the wind from God's Spirit made a way for the people to cross into freedom, that same wind blazed the path for the earliest followers of Christ. And that very same wind continues to make a way forward for the church today. But as if that whole violent wind thing wasn't strange enough, then these divided tongues of fire appear and rest on each of them that are gathered. And and each of them begins to speak in other languages as the Spirit gives them the ability. I mean, just trying to envision this scene makes it even more perplexing. What does a divided tongue of fire even look like? What does that even mean? And how, how does it rest upon them? Is it like hovering over their heads? Is it on them in some way, is it hot? Does it just look like fire? So many of these questions are left a complete mystery. We don't exactly know what it means and we probably won't figure it out, at least on this side of eternity. But whatever was going on here, others in town clearly took notice. This was something that drew some attention. They hear the apostles speaking in all of these different languages and they're amazed and perplexed. There are people gathered here from many, many nations all over the world. And they're shocked that these lowly Galileans are able to speak to them in their native language, or at least that they're able to somehow understand what they're saying. Some realize that there's something special and transcendent going on here, while others just kind of assume that these guys must be drunk. Because if you're suddenly able to speak in another language, that's the only rational explanation that you had too much wine. But Peter stands before them, and he assures them that it is far too early for them to have been drinking, and recites to them the words from the prophet Joel that we read this morning. He says to them, this is what's going on. This is what has been talked about for so long. This is happening right now before your very eyes. As a result of that, in response to Peter's long sermon that he gives, he keeps going well, even long after we read, Many come to believe that day. Luke says that they were cut to the heart. It's this amazingly weird and cool story that that we really only come back to once a year, but this is the moment that the church really becomes the church. It's often referred to by some as the birthday of the church. And while in a very real sense that is true, the problem with that description is that Birthdays are a commemoration of something that happened in the past, right? It's a marker of time that recognizes how many years have gone by since the day our lives began. It's all about kind of looking backwards. But Pentecost is about so much more than what happened to the disciples on that day nearly 2,000 years ago. It's about so much more than a commemoration or a remembrance of an event that took place once in time. More importantly, it's about the Spirit. The same Spirit that rested upon the disciples with tongues as of fire. That same Spirit rests upon us. It's about how the Spirit continues to speak life into us and gift us to be witnesses. It's less about what happened in the past and more about how God is calling us into the future. The disciples were gathered that day, not completely unlike how we're gathered here today. It was what they were accustomed to doing. It's what they did. Who knows what they were expecting to happen, but they knew that Jesus had promised them the gift of the Holy Spirit and that they were to wait for it. Last week, we read about the ascension of Christ, which Luke tells us happened 40 days after his resurrection. The Jewish festival of Pentecost, which is why they were all there in the first place, took place 50 days after the Passover, which is roughly around the same time of Jesus' crucifixion. So basically, we're looking at about a week or so, give or take a couple days, between the Ascension and Pentecost. So that's a week of just waiting, of just sitting around, perhaps a week of confusion. I thought Jesus said, He was going to send the Spirit. He promised us a helper, an advocate. When's that going to to come? I mean, I I didn't receive the Spirit yet, did I? Did you? Did we? Maybe we already did. I mean, how would we even know? Maybe we already got the Spirit. So they continue to gather together day after day after day, just waiting. These questions running through their minds. When When is the Spirit coming? And then suddenly... The Spirit quite literally busts down their doors. And from that moment on, everything changes. Because this is what happens when the Spirit moves. And suddenly, the disciples, who had previously been almost complete failures in everything they had attempted to do, are filled with the Spirit. And when they're filled with the Spirit, they have a new courage, a new voice, a new sense of mission. Peter who only recently had denied even knowing who Jesus was, now stands before a vast crowd declaring boldly the message of Christ. Who Christ was, what Christ did. Sometimes we need the Spirit to bust down our doors and give us a little push. And when the Spirit moves, our circles expand. This was an international, cross-cultural event. People from all over the world are gathered there and heard the gospel that morning. But interestingly, while while it's international in its scope, it didn't yet include the Gentiles completely. So the birthday of the church, at the birthday of the church, people like you and I were not yet included. We were not yet a part of that. The revelation that the gospel was for all people and for all nations was something that apparently the Holy Spirit Unfolded rather slowly to the disciples as if perhaps they weren't quite ready to, to grasp the full scope of God's vision just yet. Peter understood from the words of Joel that God's vision was for men and women, young, old, slave, and free. But he didn't yet understand that it was also for all the nations, for the Gentiles. And in fact, it was something that he resisted for quite some time, which led to uh, some conflicts in the early church, particularly between Peter and Paul. The church, even from its beginning, has long been familiar with conflicts and dispute, a legacy that Elizabeth and the other commissioners at General Assembly will no doubt continue to live out this next week. But it's fascinating that when the Spirit showed up, all the questions weren't answered. Not immediately. There was still some confusion, still some misunderstanding, because after all, we're still human. But even the disciples, the ones who knew Jesus intimately and experienced this profoundly transcendent and history-altering moment, even they didn't have all the answers. And even they got some things wrong. Even they didn't have exactly the right theology, if such a thing is even attainable. Even they had to learn and grow and have the Spirit slowly reveal and unfold things to them. And that's the way that it's been from the beginning of the church, even till now. Because when the Spirit moves, we are always the ones catching up. And unfortunately, in the long and diverse history of the church, we've often been left behind resistant to how the Spirit is calling us forward and expanding our vision of who is included in God's plan. Peter had to learn that God shows no partiality and that the gospel is for all nations. We know well that here in America we had to learn that Paul meant it when he said, there is no longer slave nor free, for all are one in Christ Jesus. And the importance of the phrase that all men are created equal in our founding document. In our denomination, and many others as well, we have had to learn that women are just as equipped for ministry as men. And again, we hear Paul echo, there is no longer male nor female. These are lessons we learn slowly over many, many years. Lessons we're still learning in fact. But this is how the Spirit moves. And this is what happens when the Spirit moves. Sometimes it might feel like a violent wind that bursts open the doors and, and fills the entire room, calling us out to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in the streets. But sometimes it's, it's softer, it's slower, it's more subtle, it's a gradual unfolding. So it's up to us to pay attention and listen. How is the Spirit calling us today? Today? What is the Spirit revealing in our midst? How is God expanding our vision to include people we never thought the gospel could be intended for? One of the things that I find so interesting about the way our liturgical calendar is set up is that immediately after Pentecost, this day of excitement and chaos, we we then have uh, Trinity Sunday, which is next week, and then right after that we move into what is easily the most Exciting time of the liturgical year. It's called ordinary time. <laughs> Thrilling, right? You're all excited about it. Now, when, when we hear ordinary, of course, we think of things like well, normal, commonplace, or maybe even dull, boring, right? It's, it's not exactly exciting. Now, of course, that's not what it's supposed to mean, but the connotation remains. But having Pentecost right before we move into ordinary time ought to remind us that Pentecost is not something we experience once a year, we remember, and then move on from. Though that's perhaps what we frozen chosen might prefer. Rather, Pentecost sends us forward so that we can begin to see and experience the spirit in the ordinary, in the mundane, in the everyday. So while there's nothing wrong with calling it ordinary time, I'd I'd like to maybe reframe it for us this year. Let's instead reimagine it and envision it as the season of the Spirit. Let's be intentional, pay careful attention to how the Spirit might be speaking to us over these next couple of months, perhaps calling us to new places, perhaps expanding our vision in new ways. And I think this season of the Spirit is especially appropriate for our many brothers and sisters who will gather in Detroit for General Assembly next week. Our deepest prayer for those folks has to be that they would be attentive to the Spirit and all of their discussions and deliberations. And may we have the faith to trust that the Spirit is moving among them, speaking to them, resting upon them, and that they are listening. The Spirit met the disciples in an ordinary place when they were doing their ordinary thing, their regular routine. The Spirit will also meet us in our ordinary time, our season of the Spirit. And who knows what will happen next when the Spirit moves. Amen.